0: American Education FM. Everybody, I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I want to spend this episode talking about illegal immigration and the sort of invasion that's taking place. It's well, it's not sort of. It is an invasion that's taking place in our country right now, and how that impacts American K twelve schools because it certainly does. And this is something that is both not new, and it's something that I've witnessed and um, I've just witnessed seen occur both as of Former K 12 school teacher myself, and then as a former adjunct professor and overseeing student teachers in K 12 schools. The first thing is that when you're a school teacher and you receive new students into a school building or into your classroom, the most ineffective teachers are the ones that will sort of scoff at the idea of having a new student. Again, these are the worst educators. The worst ones are the ones that make a new student feel like garbage the moment that they walk in. When a new student would walk into my classroom, I would always greet them with a handshake and a smile, always. And unfortunately, and this should tell you something about the lack of organization that takes place within many American K-12 schools, is in many cases when a new student shows up, regardless of where they come from or have or have come from, is that they are rarely introduced to the teacher beforehand. In many cases, the very first time that this teacher will see this new student is when the counselor or someone else in the building who's responsible for um, managing new students to a classroom setting, they'll, they'll just sort of spring it on the teacher without the teacher's foreknowledge. And this is a problem, to say the least. In many cases, the teacher won't receive a new email saying, hey, look, you're going to get a new student today, or a few new students today. Just to give you a heads up, here's their names. Here's where they come from. Here's their past X Y Z. They, unfortunately, in many cases, they don't even do that. But in the cases where even that does happen, and everything is organized beforehand, and maybe you even get the opportunity to meet their parents, there are still very very ineffective educators who treat new students like they're trash. Um, I never did that. I always treated every single student as if they were my own child in the sense that they belong there just like every other student belongs there. And then I would even do this thing where I would say, what's your name? And they would say what their name was, and I would have the whole class say, hi, so-and-so. And and then they would all say that person's name at the same time, and everybody had a smile on their face. It immediately made that person feel like they were a part of the entire class instantly, And then I would do whatever I could to just give them a comfortable seat in the classroom. And normally they wanted to sit in the back or they wanted to sit to the side. So and that's normally where the where the available seats were. So I would just let them sit wherever they wanted. And I would look at them and say, "Sit wherever you want. Sit wherever there's a seat." And they would. Now, there were numerous occasions when I was a K twelve school teacher where foreign students would come to class who were clearly illegal. And by illegal, I mean. Their parents couldn't speak a word of English, they couldn't speak a word of English, and they weren't from America. They had either made their way here from Haiti, South America, Cuba, somewhere. And again, I taught in Southwest Florida, so this was a regular occurrence. In particular, during the Haitian earthquake, which is which is um, when I was a school teacher and we started to receive a number of Haitian students. Uh, there are other things related to that, of course, I could go into, but I'm going to keep it in this lane here of K-12 education. So unfortunately, for those students who would show up, I mean, first of all, they, they really weren't students per se. They were of student age, but they had no concept of American education and they had no concept of the way that things operated. And I felt terrible for them because, again, they couldn't speak English. And they didn't have necessary translators within districts because many districts don't have those kinds of accommodations. They don't have the kinds of people who could walk around with them, who are paid employees, who can walk around with them on a day-in and day-out basis, teach them the English language fluently, all while translating in their native tongue. They just couldn't do that. So one example that I may have brought up in the past, but I'm going to mention it again just because it's relevant, is that I received a student from South America. And, uh, he, he, he couldn't speak English. He had very limited English. It was basically okay. Yes. Hello. Goodbye. That was about all he had. And he was a nice dude, nice student, never a problem. The person at first he had no translator, none at all. He spoke Spanish, which was fine. And I had other students who spoke Spanish and English fluently. So immediately what I did was, is I had, the Spanish-speaking students, who were female primarily, um, and and a couple of them were male, essentially sit next to this particular student and explain particular things to him about what I was saying. But he was very quickly picking up the English language, so much so in fact that I saw him a few years later and he was speaking a lot of English very, very well, which was a great sign. The problem, of course, is that he was probably still an illegal citizen. He, was, he, he wasn't a citizen. He was an illegal alien, and he, he, uh, he wasn't legally allowed to be there. But, you know, they certain accommodations are made, I suppose, and there you have it. We ended up having a parent conference with the father, who was apparently the father, and the, the woman who claimed to be the mother. The mother could speak English. Um, and understood English just fine. The father couldn't speak a, a, a lick of English, and we asked the mother in the parent conference if she wouldn't mind showing up to the school because she didn't have a day job. She didn't have any job. Following a, following her her son around and translating, and the and she said yes, and then she never showed up. Now I, we can speculate as to why she never showed up, but it's pretty clear that from what we knew about where they came from and why they were here, they were all illegal. And to be around a constant resource officer or police officers within the school building as an illegal individual in a a country illegally, that would be a problem. But they apparently had no problem sending their child to this school building. And again, that was the individual from South America. When it came to the students that I had from Haiti, it was the same thing. They spoke French fluently. And it's a beautiful language when you hear it spoken fluently or, or what you think is fluently um, on, a, on a consistent basis. But again, the district didn't have the accommodations to have an individual who was a paid employee walk around with them and speak English and French to them and translate particular things on a day-in, day-out basis um of those two particular groups of students the you know the the individual who came from South America he had a backpack i mean he looked like he was all about wanting to go to school whereas the haitian students uh didn't didn't have those weren't even given those accommodations by any district official whatsoever the other thing too which was interesting is that those students wouldn't typically be in the school district very long let alone one particular building i had many foreign students again who couldn't speak a lick of english and they would show up they might be around for a month maybe even 2 months maybe just the tail end of a school year and then summer would roll around and then the new school year would start and they wouldn't be there anymore so that's very you know that's a that's a common thing and that happens in school districts i might add all over the place, which leads me to this second story. When I was an adjunct professor, I was responsible for supervising student teachers. And there was one particular student teacher that I was supervising who was in a high school. And as I was waiting in the front lobby of this high school, which again was located in Southwest Ohio, I watched a I was just waiting there to get my pass so that I could go in, and I was looking around, and I'm always sort of observing and just watching what's watching my surroundings and watching what's happening. I watched this man, a Hispanic man, walk up with a with a child who was of high school age, certainly looked like it. He didn't have a backpack, he didn't have anything with him. it was just him and his clothes. But this guy walked up with with this again, a Hispanic man with a Hispanic student walk up and sort of just kind of rang the doorbell f- for the front door to open, the door opened, and then he just kind of pushed him in with his hand. And then the student sort of immediately walked in, knew exactly why he was there. I mean, he had clearly been given some kind of instruction. And then I turn and I look out these windows, these big windows, and I see the dad, or what you assume is the dad, although there's no proof of that. And he sort of scampers away quickly. He didn't walk in with, uh, with this particular individual who was of school age. He he didn't um, he didn't assist in any way. He just kind of shoved him through the door and then ran away. And when I say ran away, I don't mean a, like a full on sprint. But he wasn't walking either. It was this quick um, scamper. And his head was on a swivel, and he's looking around to see if anybody's around him. And he's just wa- and then he's moving quickly away from the building. He didn't get in a car. He just walked through the grass, and then he was gone through the yard, and that was it. The student walked in and immediately sort of introduced himself, said, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm here to, I'm here to be a student. And the, and the, the front entrance person said, well, let me give you some paperwork and you can register. And that was kind of it. I mean, there, there was no, do you have a driver's license? Do you have ID? Do you have proof of who you say you are? There wasn't any of that. They were just accepting this particular person off of the street, I might add, and just bringing them in. Now, what happened after that? I'm not sure. I have no idea. I just thought that the entire exchange was very very odd, highly suspicious. And again, this is a this is this was a high school in southwest Ohio, so if it can happen there, of course it can happen anywhere. And it's one of the things I think that a lot of people need to pay attention to is that as we're having countless individuals infiltrate our country and make make our way into our country illegally, completely against the law. A school taking in these individuals is also a crime. That is also against the law. I'm not saying that people don't have, you know, the, the, the rights to an education, but you certainly have rights here if you're a legal citizen. If you're not a legal citizen, you have no rights here. So you don't have the right to go to school because you're an illegal individual. In our country, illegally, those are crimes. And schools that take them in should be breaking the law. Now, in most school districts, that would be the case. Now, it depends on the state you live in, I'm sure, and I'm sure different states have different laws or regulations for this, that, or the other regarding those situations, but um, it's a very difficult thing as a school teacher, again, when you're in the presence of individuals that are not legally allowed to be there, and then, on top of it, can't speak the English language at all. And then, of course, on top of that, the school district doesn't have the accommodations to even meet the needs of their own language and their own native tongue, let alone translate into English and follow them along on a day in day out basis while they're in school um, and help them with, you know, whatever it is that they need to help them with assignments or making their way to the bathroom. It's, it's a very difficult thing, but again, it's, it's just another pitfall, so to speak, regarding American K-12 education and how, they just don't have the resources to be able to accommodate these individuals whatsoever. So basically a tip here would be for the for something like this to happen. If you're a school teacher and you suspect that there are students that are potentially illegals, you need to get in contact with the local police. Don't go to the school board. I don't recommend getting on on Twitter or social media and and ranting and raving about it, which again brings up something that I was writing about in the book *Purposeful Deception*, and I specifically mentioned this particular case of a um, a Fort Worth United School District—if I'm getting that school district right—in in Fort Worth, Texas, she was fired because she tweeted out that she tweeted out to the, to the president of the United States, Donald Trump, that illegal students were infiltrating their entire school district, and there were drugs being sold in the schools by illegal students. That people who are not legal citizens, but they've enrolled in the school, and the school was just taking them in one after the other. And she basically said they're everywhere in the school district. You have to do something because the school district's not doing anything. Well, she ended up being placed on administrative leave, and then she lost her job. And then she tried to sue the school district um, for free speech violations, and it went to court. And just recently, the other day, um, the court upheld... The school district's decision to fire her. So there's that. It seems like a total violation of free speech rights because, again, this is a safety issue. She was bringing up a massive safety issue, and the school district wanted nothing to do with it. Now, again, that too is commonplace. A school district not wanting to pay attention to the fact that they themselves are putting people in harm's way. They don't want anybody to believe that, and uh, you know they would rather name call and say well you're just being insensitive or you're just you're you're not paying attention to the whole picture or you're a bigot or a racist or whatever and then they just name call and they do what they do but again getting in contact with the police directly in any case like that where you suspect that individuals are there who are illegal um, is is the best approach go to the law don't go to twitter don't go to facebook don't make posts and don't go to the school's administration Um. let the police handle it and let the police do the investigation and then let the police tell the school's administration, hey, look, you have an illegal student here who doesn't need to be here. Now, this last thing that I'll mention again, and it's unrelated but related, is believe it or not, school districts will even accept individuals who are registered sex offenders. And by individuals, I mean students. They'll, they'll take in students who have been registered sex offenders or are registered sex offenders. This, too, is a massive problem, even if, again, they are legal citizens. So if they have criminal backgrounds of the most heinous nature, K 12 school districts will still take them in. And again, that school that I described, where I was observing um, a student teacher, they, and I, and I witnessed that particular episode with, again, who I thought was. A Hispanic man uh, with, with with a minor. Don't know if they were related or not. But it, within that same building, the previous year they had had a registered sex offender who was a student there. Who, of course, as one would expect, engaged in similar crimes against a teacher involving a cell phone, and um, and the teachers were absolutely outraged that that the school's administration or the school board or the just whoever is in charge of filing that paperwork to accept a student would allow a registered sex offender to be a student in that school. So that does happen. And the number of teachers that knew that that individual was a registered sex offender was next to zero until that person started to tell other people and then countless other people found out. But by that time that student had already engaged in a sex crime involving a cell phone and recording a female underneath their desk. Um, yeah, so there you go. It uh, it just turned out to be a horrible situation and the in the, the female school teacher was was relatively new to the business and, and young, but was already being victimized by an individual who had no business being there. So all more reason, I think, to have your head on a swivel if you're in a K twelve school district regarding the crimes that are likely to occur within these buildings, both again from individuals who are citizens and maybe have criminal records, and yet you as a school teacher don't know about it, or individuals who are actually illegal aliens and aren't allowed to be here legally by any means. And uh, just keep, keep in mind that they will find their way into school, because many of them unfortunately think that if they're in school, then they can evade the law. Because, oh look, I'm a student now, and I'm here, and I'm a student. If you're illegal, you're illegal. It's, it's as simple as that. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.